With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. Uh, we we got uh, we don't have a whole lot going on. It's kind of the dead period for sports, so... Uh, we, well, we some- when your class is already filled out by the middle of July for next season, I mean, we have one open spot, right? <laughs> I, I believe so as of right now, which I, I think is going to get filled. Filled tonight um, at 10? Yeah, filled tonight sometime between 10 and midnight Central Standard Time here. Uh, that was, of course, Drake. Drake, how are you doing tonight, my friend? You're all moved in and you've got a new background there. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm waiting for us to to decide on our final logo for our, I guess, uh, plot twists. We're getting a new logo here eventually. And uh, waiting for that so I can order the flag for the backdrop. I definitely know the logo that you should use. Oh, yeah? What's that? <laughs> it should be our logo, the Church of the Corn logo. Try that and see no, how that, it works. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I thought we were we had talked about updating ours. Oh yeah, yeah, that is true. We are we are um, in the beginning stages of that shit charade. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I got some okay. cool ideas. I'm just not artistically. Uh, I'm not gifted artistically, so it's kind of hard yeah. to do that when you can't draw with the shit. Maybe we take a fan submission. I don't know. People are just um, gonna draw just dicks and put Church of the Corn on them, which you know I wouldn't be opposed to. I actually might go with one of those logos. As long as they're veiny triumphant. They have to triumphant be big ones. veiny triumphant bastards. Um. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm good. Uh, we got we got a few things that we still got to get done here. I was just telling Zach off air. Uh, I haven't even moved my desk over yet. I'm currently using a moving box and a lawn chair right now to record this. So. Well, I mean, Drake, you are one of the classier fellows that I've I've gotten to know in my life, so none of that surprises me. It's actually what I expect <laughs> out of you at this point. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I, I, I mentioned this question because we were talking a little bit off air, but I had seen it on Twitter, and I definitely wanted to talk about it because I feel like it's, like I said, it's July, it's the dead period, but uh, this was, you know, from the College Football Nerds at CFB Nerds on Twitter, and the question was, you have to pick one current head coach to be your offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. The catch is they have to be a current head coach. So, Drake, I'm going to put you on the spot first, and I want to see who you would pick out of all the current head coaches as an OC or DC. I, I went through the list earlier today. I was mm-hmm. kind of shocked at how many options there are, and there's a lot of good ones, too. Yeah, there are. So I'm going to break this down from the angle of how uh, obviously I would run a team because according to your question, you're also the head coach, correct? Yeah, yeah. think about it like this. You are essentially the head coach and you are now looking to plug one of these spots and you have any available coach that's a head coach to uh, essentially fill in underneath you. Yeah, so for me, the the first two that came to mind were – 
Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin to be OCs. Uh, Lincoln Riley, because of what he's been able to do, both as a head coach and an OC, and same same thing for Lane Kiffin. I don't think he's quite the same quarterback whisperer. But then I thought about where I feel like my strengths are in football, and believe me, there are very few. But I feel like I could uh, I could I could design an effective offense and run it if I had to, or help the other guy that I paid to do it. Um, where I'm pretty much useless is on that defensive side of the ball. So uh, I, I chose Kirby Smart um, just because, A, I think he's been the most successful head coach immediately after his time at Alabama. Um, and I don't think – I think his side of the ball, like what he left as a D.C. at Alabama, is greater than anything that one, any one O.C. has ever left at Alabama during this run. So I chose Kirby. Man, Kirby was a good one, and, and I had to actually go through the comments because I was curious at some of the other names that were that were going to be listed. Um, Kirby was one I seen pop up a lot. I seen Saban pop up a couple times. Lincoln Riley was another one. How about this for one, Steve Sarkeesian? For me, I, Steve, Sarkeesian doesn't do it for me. No, no. Um, Even when he was at USC and and. Uh, Alabama, he just never quite did it for me. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have taken him. Um, one that came to mind for me, a guy that I also really liked was uh, Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman mm-hmm. and uh, Mike Gundy, both of them shot up to the top of my head. Um, See, I don't again, have either one of those two on this list, and I completely forgot about Gundy. Yeah, and, and the, the reason why I wouldn't pick them is, again, they are offensive-minded head coaches where I feel like I would excel if somebody that, – that's the side of the ball that I'd be better with. I don't think I'd be an elite play caller by any means. I'd be better than what we've had the last few years, but that's not saying much. Hard to be much worse. Um, you got Dave Aranda, Josh Heupel, Jimbo Fisher, Brent Venables. This is one I was really thinking hard about. I wouldn't pick this one, but I was thinking hard about it. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, the Washington head coach. He's mm-hmm. been an OC at a couple spots, was highly productive at the lower levels, but you know what he's done at, at Washington? I think he's starting to build them back into the kind of the blue nah, – they're not blue blood, but the, the powerhouse of the in Northwest that they were. I went with um, – I ended up going with Lane Kiffin. To be honest with you, we'll know that I, I like Lane. Um, defensively, I feel like I feel like it's easier to find a good defensive coordinator than it is a good offensive coordinator. Reason is because I feel like it's easier to coach a defense than it is an offense. Offense is built on timing. Um, you got to have certain places or certain pieces in place. And I feel like Kiffin's done it a lot of different places with a lot of different pieces. It was pretty successful everywhere. Um, you know, he, he's been everywhere. Uh, Tennessee, you know, uh, the Raiders, USC, Ole Miss, Alabama. You know, his lowest offense was in 2015 when it was 30th in the country in points per game. He had a bunch of guys drafted from Alabama. Same thing with Ole Miss. I had to go with, with, with Kiffin. Um, just just with what he's done, he's got a proven track record. I wanted to go with Riley, but I also wanted to be different and not go with 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 Riley, who I feel like is a, is a pretty easy choice. Yeah, 
Um, you know, Venables would have been probably my second pick too. I love Lane Kiffin. Like I said, Lane Kiffin was one A, one B for me. Just you know, gun to my head right away. Who who am I going to name first? But um, then I really, like I said, I really broke it down into where I feel like I would need the most help. And you know, offense is probably your weakness too. If I'm being honest, you're not the brightest guy. You don't you don't like slant routes. You, you're a you're you're a swing guy. So. That's very true. I am not the brightest guy on this podcast. Thank you, Drake, for letting everybody know. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, so, no, <laughs> no. I, I <laughs> no. I, I got a question for you. So, on the defensive side of the ball, there's three names, and since Kirby Smart seems like kind of the slam dunk choice, there's three names: Venables, Aranda, and then Marcus Freeman. If I give you those three, is Venables still a choice out of those three? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think uh, is Venable still a choice? No, no. Is Venable still your choice? If I give you Dave Aranda, um, Brent Venables, and then Marcus Freeman as your second choice, because um, for me, I man, go Aranda. I, I like Aranda. I like Aranda a lot too. I just for being such a defensive guy, I would expect. Baylor to be a little bit more vicious on the defensive side of the ball. Now, what he did at Wisconsin was nothing short of amazing. Um, Same thing with LSU. Yeah, so I'm not out on Aranda. I just think Venables had more sustained sustained success at Clemson. That's. I mean, that's fair. You. You. you I mean, you, you see it with what he's done at uh, Oklahoma in the year there as well, where. Obviously, the record didn't prove it, but defensively, like they they got after people. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty aggressive defense. You seen that? That was the calling card at Clemson was big, you know, aggressive, fast defensive lines, hard hitting mm-hmm. linebackers, and then a secondary that closed. Yeah, and Oklahoma, you know, after since the K State game, they they didn't even look like the same team. They got so significantly better as the season went on, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I'm curious to see what happens this year. So uh, I don't know if you caught this uh, just because we're talking about Oklahoma. Now, a lot of people were comparing Oklahoma jumping in the SEC, I believe it was, to Nebraska jumping to the Big Ten and then kind of the, uh, we'll say downfall or, or, you know, that the program taking a downturn. Do you see that being a thing with Oklahoma going to the SEC? No, and the reason I don't is because while Venables was not in the SEC, he was still in a Southern Conference in the ACC. Yep. And he beat the SEC come bowl season and playoffs. So he knows what it's going to take to win there and what kind of defense you're going to need. So I'm not overly concerned. Now, do I think they're going to be a consistent playoff contender like they have been the last few years? No, I, I don't. I don't think they'll be they'll be that, but I don't think they're just going to turn into a doormat like Nebraska has. Yeah, and I think I think Oklahoma's got a lot more pieces in place, honestly, um, with with them going into the SEC than Nebraska had going into the Big Ten. I, I feel like the the coaching situation now, granted, they Nebraska had Bo at that point, but it always kind of seemed like Bo was on shaky ground his last few years in at Nebraska. 
you don't feel like Venables is on shaky ground at all. He's got a highly recruited ranking or uh, recruiting class coming in. You know, he's working at a high level, high, you know, a a couple of the best defensive coordinator and offense coordinator in the country. Like you're feeling good about what Oklahoma's doing. It's just, I I honestly feel like if anything, Oklahoma goes the opposite direction and goes more toward the head of the conference than the tail of the conference like Nebraska did. Yeah. And I think there's a couple different pieces to that. Um, you know, a cop out for Nebraska's downfall that that I've heard a lot of fans use is um, when we made the jump to the Big Ten, we lost our pipeline to Texas. And Tejas. no matter no matter how that really happened, whether that was lack of effort by staffs or we truly lost that pipeline because kids didn't want to come up here anymore to play in this conference, whatever it was. Things have changed in the last decade, and Oklahoma recruits at a national level. They recruit in the South a lot, which is where you need to recruit to play in the SEC. So, I, like you said, their infrastructure is already in place. Like, it's it's going to be a, a lot easier transition for them um, because they're not they're not going to change where they recruit. They might change how they recruit and the types of players that they want, but they're not going to change. They're not going to let their pipelines dry up. No, and and they've they've done a smart thing by maintaining that they're a national brand. You know, while they are in the South, and and they are they do have Texas right there, which is a national hotbed. We all know that. I mean, they have kept their hands all over the place, and even when they had their dry spell of, you know, when they didn't have a great year or two there, um, and it, it's been a while. But even when they did that, they they still were relevant in one way or another um un- unlike nebraska's been you know Nebraska's yeah, kind of mean, completely bottomed out as of late yeah they they haven't had you know the run of of desertness that nebraska mm-hmm. has but they also did compete for national titles multiple times yeah. um in the last 20 years like it's not like it's they didn't have one in nebraska we made the move 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. And, um, you know, at that point, the last time we really competed for a national title was when we got blown out by Miami. Oklahoma's been in the playoffs consistently. They're they're recognizable. Yep, the the name is there even when Lincoln Riley was there. And while they may have had one bad season, one bad season doesn't make a drought. So um, let's let's do a little spin to the question that we asked a couple minutes ago. Uh, and let's tie it specifically to Nebraska. And maybe the answer is going to be the same as what we already gave, but we'll do it anyway. Same thing. Any current head coach as a uh, OC or DC for this season for Nebraska, would you go offense, defense? Who are you picking for there? I'd go with an offensive coordinator um, just because I think Satterfield is the least impressive at this point. Um, and I would go Chris Kleiman here just because I think his style fits what Rule wants to do. A lot of quarterback run, um, run-centric, but effective passing game. I think Kleiman and Rule would also be a great fit. That's a that's a really good pick. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel like demeanor would be very similar with those two. I, I feel like um, Kleiman had to be somewhere pretty high on, on Trev Albert's list just because him and Rule remind me of – very similar of each other. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I'm going to go Lincoln Riley here. 
I feel like the biggest thing that Jeff Sims has been missing in his career at Georgia Tech was someone that was like a quarterback whisperer. And I feel like a guy like Lincoln Riley, seeing what he's done with a guy like um, Caleb Williams. Or Jalen Hurts. Or Jalen Hurts or Baker Mayfield or, or um, Kyler well, Murray. Kyler Murray, thank you very much. What he's done with all those guys, like a guy like Sims has is so much untapped potential. I think he could actually maximize that potential and, and you'd see a um, top top 15 level quarterback in college football and you're getting that out of him. I mean, you're, you're winning, you're winning nine games. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree. I, I just think for, for a one to two season. Yeah. I, I would have to go Lincoln Riley too, but if I'm thinking sustainability, I'm thinking Chris Kleiman also not, not to be uh, poo pooed on was, what Kleiman was able to do with Adrian Martinez in one off season that he didn't even practice. So I think, I think Adrian's probably a more apt comparison to Jeff Sims than, than, uh, Jalen Hurts. or yeah, or, or Jalen Hurts, but, uh, Lincoln Riley could, what he could do with Jeff Sims would be so impressive to watch. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, we, we don't have a ton to go off of with Satterfield, you know, him being relatively new. And, and, and you've got at least a track record with Tony White on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you get a little bit more there, but, you know. Well, here's a point for Lincoln Riley, too, that, you know, I think Chris Kleiman did a great job with Adrian Martinez. But to me, Kleiman is much more of a I'm going to protect you from yourself type of coach where yeah. Lincoln Riley is actually developing those guys into better quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it. It's it's almost like uh, he doesn't want to take the training wheels off to some degree. He'll give you enough mm-hmm. to, to not hurt yourself, but that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, – I do you remember so – we knew we were going to talk about Minnesota today. Do you remember the last time that Nebraska beat Minnesota, Drake? Do you remember the date? I don't remember the date, but I do remember the season. It was uh, Scott Frost's first year, so 2018. October 20th, 2018 was the last time Nebraska beat Michigan, or, uh, Minnesota. Adrian uh, Adrian got hurt on a touchdown run, very similar to, a, to another one from Tommy Armstrong a few years prior. Correct. That was, um, yeah, one of the many injuries from Adrian, unfortunately. And in 46 days, Nebraska will finally kick off the season against Minnesota. And just for reference, the next time they play, which will be August 31st of 2023, if Nebraska beats uh, Minnesota, it will be 1,776 days, 1776, since they beat Minnesota. (sighs) Like that's that's such an asinine stat that it, it I had to laugh out loud when I I was typing it up earlier because I'm like you got to be shitting me. It has that's been almost two it, it, seventeen hundred plus days since Nebraska has beat Mich- or Minnesota, and the the wild thing is the amount of people that don't respect Minnesota and what they've built over the last few years you know i i can't fucking stand pj fleck can't stand mm-hmm. but god 
dog it. I, I'm doing I, the count on dates again. Oh, for uh, no, it's okay. I, I typed into a, okay. uh, a a website. It definitely told me everything. <laughs> and so, <laughs> there, otherwise, there's no way I'd be that confident in any of those numbers. But I I can't stand PJ Fleck. Um, but the dude has built a 1776 program. days. Let freedom ring, baby. You know, that, that's how that's how it's going to start off by Nebraska finally breaking that curse. 1776. But yeah, it's declaring our independence from Minnesota. Thank God. Finally, <laughs> that that's that's depressing, isn't it? Like, yes, the amount of shit that we talk about Minnesota and they have beaten Nebraska uh, three out of four times, three out of the last four times in uh, Minnesota. That's awful. That's yes. embarrassing. Two, for reference, there is a full class of you know freshmen, two seniors that have not beat Minnesota. I know I keep rubbing like salt in the wound, but this is just yeah. more shit that I keep that I was thinking of that I'm like, eh, what the fuck? Right, let's move on. I I can't I can't think of that anymore. Let's move okay. On. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So. Fleck has built a, a, I mean, consistency is what I would say, how I define that program up there. Uh, they lose guys to the NFL every year, it seems like, at, at least the last couple. But this year, I think they, they lose the, the most amount of talent they've lost in a while. You, you lose Tanner Morgan, who, while he wasn't the most talented quarterback in the world, he was there for six years. And I think he started for five of them. Um, and then Mo Ibrahim, you know. Who, who has meant more to a team than Ibrahim the last few years? That that dude was no, the, the injury. Yeah, he – we talked about it numerous times. I, if he doesn't get hurt against Ohio State two years ago, I think he's the best back in the conference, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and you have – I think he would have been the best You could almost convince year, me – you could convince me that they may have beat Ohio State too with how they were keeping with them. They couldn't stop yeah. Ibrahim. Yeah, CJ Stroud uh, did not look particularly impressive in that game. He, but I mean, he was a true freshman. Yep. Um, man, that Ibrahim was was special. Um, reminded me a lot of a obviously better, but a but an apt comparison from Nebraska over the last you know, 20 years would have been like a, a Cody Glenn type runner, probably a, probably closer to a divine Ozigbo um, in pure talent, still better probably, but just a guy that you could count on for y- plus yards anytime he touched the ball. Oh yeah. You, you know, one guy wasn't going to be able to tackle him. And in the case of, um, you know, Mo running against, Nebraska defenders, a lot of defenders weren't able to tackle him. So, um, you know, that's a big loss for them. But they do have a transfer from Western uh, Michigan. Uh, I believe his name was, let's see, Sean Taylor, um, who transferred in. And then you've also got uh, Ethan Kalikia Manis, I believe his name is, uh, who actually beat Nebraska last year. Yeah, he uh, he stepped in when Morgan, I think, went out with a concussion, wasn't it? Yeah, concussion, head injury, something like that. But he's got experience. He's beaten Nebraska previously, you know. So you you definitely will say that he can do it. 
Um, my biggest thing with Minnesota this year is just how can they replace a lot of that experience? Because uh, you, you can't do that overnight. And you may be able to do it no, more and especially guys, with the guys that they had to transfer out. They, exactly. you know, they had a mass they had a mass exodus of current guys on the roster. Um lose a ton on the offensive line this season. Their entire interior, yeah. I believe. Yeah, the guard to center. Um guard to guard, actually. Yeah, I don't I'm going I'm going through their schedule right now and you can convince me that that they will lose anywhere from five to even eight games. Um, as I'm looking at it here, I think you know. I think Nebraska gets them. Um, North Carolina gets them. North Carolina, Michigan that's a gets tough them. game early for for Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, at North Carolina too. Like that's super tough for them. Um, they might only win one game in the Big Ten West. I don't know what Purdue's going to look like. I, is Illinois going to be strong again? I I don't know. But I, Minnesota, to me, could lose anywhere from five to eight games pretty easily. See, here's my thing with Minnesota, and I always doubt them. And I <laughs> with and every game back that, back, nine games back-to-back seasons. And that's where I'm at. It's like, I, I, I think this is the year I'm going to pull my voodoo magic. I'm going to believe in them so they can fucking bottom out. And then I'm finally happy and right about it. I honestly feel like they could win the big, the uh, you know, West this year. They could. They they absolutely could. But I feel like there's a four way tie for who can win the Big Ten West this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was my favorite. Um, yep. Because they're the only sustained program at this point. Illinois, Illinois, to me, could be one of the bigger wild cards. With, with how they bounce back, and is it Bielema's scheme, or is it the players, or what is it with Illinois? Well, think about how good their defense was last year, though, and then they lose their D.C. to Purdue. Like, yep, Walters. Yeah, I mean, what the Big Ten West is is going to be wild this year. I, I Wisconsin's my second favorite to win, just because I feel like defense is going to remain stout. Yeah. And their offense is going to finally upgrade. Um, Iowa's my favorite, but, you know, I'd say Minnesota's probably probably my third favorite just because of the sustained run that PJ's had. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. I, I've got Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, and Wisconsin kind of vibing for that one through four spot. I feel like Nebraska can get there, but – there's there's a lot that's got to go right for Nebraska this season, honestly, and you've got a lot of depth that needs to get figured out. But I mean, Minnesota has has, has done it. Fleck has proven that. Count them out; they're they're going to be there at the end of the year. Whew, I don't. I just with a brand new quarterback, brand new running back, brand new center to you know guard to guard, new guys in the secondary. Although Rossi as a DC is good. Well, and here's the thing, dude. They, they were fourth nationally in scoring defense last year. That's How insane why it's, is that? And their leading sack guy had three and a half sacks. Yeah. So they don't sack you, which is even cr- more crazy. So they're not even heating the quarterback up. And they're still fourth in the country in, in total defense. Like, credit to Rossi and credit to what, what Flex got going on up there because that's, that's fabulous. And the dudes that they put yeah. in the NFL, like – 
Winfield Jr. was has been one of the best defensive backs to come out of Minnesota in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, he's he's up there with one of the best defensive backs to come out of the Big Ten in a long time. I mean, Ab- absolutely. And the the yeah, that was one I remember watching him at Minnesota and was like, damn, he just looks different out there. And and you see it because he's making plays every Sunday. Yeah. So it's. It, Minnesota, I mean, going back to it, Big Ten West is, I think, the biggest wild card division in college football right now because you don't know who's going to be where. Now, I will say, I think Minnesota upgrades at quarterback. I loved Tanner Morgan, but I think his last two years were were not impressive. I think he he fell off. Um, Arm talent wise, with the uh, eighth AK is a huge upgrade there. Yeah. I think, and he's more athletic. He's a better runner, if I remember correctly. I just. He just doesn't have the the snaps at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're upgrading there just in pure talent. Um, But, you know, they've also put out a lot of good wide receivers in the NFL the last few years. Do they have anybody really coming back to fill that? Defense is still going to be solid. It just is. Yeah, I think this when they're really going to use their tight end. That uh, I think it's uh, Span Ford. I, I think they'll really utilize him quite a bit. He'll be yeah. one of the better tight ends in the Big Ten. I believe you've got Ottman Bell coming back for another season. Can he stay healthy? Is is going to be a big question. He hasn't been able to in a couple of years. So if he can yeah. stay healthy, huge addition to that wide receiver core, though. Mm-hmm. But sure. I, I mean, if I had to put a ceiling on it, I, I probably I probably put a ceiling on him at nine wins. But yeah. I don't see him losing less than six games. Yeah, I, the, I I think they're probably closer to six and six than nine and three. But yeah, they really could go nine and three. I, they they to me realistically no fan Kool Aid. I think they are what we thought Nebraska was last year, where they could easily you know win ten games because. Mm-hmm. They should have won 10 games a year before. Whatever we rationalized it, Minnesota's won nine games each of the last two seasons. They could easily continue and win 10 this year. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just whichever way the ball bounces, uh, depending on the game, is, is mm-hmm. how their season's going to go. Um, but, all right, so I've got a question for you. I, I, I can't remember who this was, if it was uh, Rivals or 24-7 or on three or who it was. Um, but I wanted your opinion on this on, we'll go top two. Who are the top two position groups going into the season that you are most, that you feel best about? Um, I feel really good about, um, defensive backs just because we have a lot of returning returners there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still really high, really high on the running back room. So they're they're my my second. I just think there's so much talent there that that's been wasted. Yeah, th- there's there's a ton. Uh, running back room is probably my number one, uh, just because of the guys you've got back there and the guys that we're not even talking about that are in the room that are extremely talented guys. But you know you've got Emmett Johnson. Emmett, that was exactly what I was thinking of. I uh, just actually seen a post with him. Um, I think it was yesterday. But you know you've got um, uh, Irvin coming off injury, who looks like the fucking Hulk right now. 
Yeah. Um, Ramirez is Grant, so talented. Ramir, who if if this if the University of Nebraska could ever figure out how yeah. to use a screen game, Ramir Johnson would be the perfect running back for at least some screen plays. Yeah. He showed it against uh, Michigan. I mean, well, get him in space, get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, he had that huge wheel route for a touchdown. I mean, yep. I think, I think in all aspects of the game, I still feel this way. I, th- I think Ramirez is the best, the total back on the team. Now, he lacks a ton in power run. That that's just. The truth. I'm, I think he's a buck ninety five soaking wet, so we know his, his yeah. lim- limitation, right? But I think he's best in pass pro, or he's shown to be. Um, I'm sure Gabe Irving can be really good in pass pro with that size, um, but he's a good receiver, runs good routes. You know, they tried to put him in at wide receiver last year, and it just never worked out. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's kind of that that X factor style back that can do just about anything. And they got to find a way to use him. I agree. I mean, he's one we've talked about for quite some time now, and they've just never been able to figure out a way to get him in, integrated in the offense. And it's been frustrating because you've seen what he can do when given a chance on the field. Uh, this is probably going to be a cop out for my second position group, but I'm going to go with punter. I feel pretty good about uh, Bushini back there. Um, from what he did last season. I'm feeling good. I, I would say specialist as a whole. Um, I don't know who's going to win out in that kicker room. I think Tristan Ooh. Albano has a legitimate shot. But do you think they do that, something similar to what they did a few years ago when they split it with kickers? If you know, if you go over say forty yards, you go with your long ball guy. You know, if you're inside thirty, you go with this guy. Or do you think you just go with one? I don't personally. Know. I go one. I want my kicker to be fully confident. Get all the reps. Yes, I want my kicker to be that guy. It's like my quarterback. I understand my backup is going to need a, a snap or two, uh, but I want my quarterback getting the majority of the snaps. I want everything to be second nature for that guy. But here's my thing with kicker: like, let let's say one guy is just automatic inside of 35 yards, mm-hmm. but you get to 40, he struggles to get it there. Yep. That other guy knows you get it to 40 every time. Like, I, I think there's a situation where you have a long ball guy, but you want to try and focus in on one. Yeah, I think it, it rem- I can't remember the other kicker, but I believe one of them was uh, Addy Kunalik of years ago. And I can't remember the other kicker if it was. Uh, People forget he kicked, the, he kicked the kickoff out of bounds against Texas. Son of a bitch. Why'd you have to bring that up? Some people don't forget. Is that is that it? Yeah, people don't forget. <laughs> Damn, Drake, I, I I actually did forget about that till you till you just brought that up. So, thanks, thanks for that. I'm just saying that's not the one second on the clock. It's the kickoff out of bounds. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess maybe I should start blaming Addy Kunalik from things going forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Drake, I, I don't have anything else other than that, my friend. Oh yeah, uh, I guess I do one other thing. Uh, Preston Taumia, Taumua, the offensive tackle slash guard, should be committing to Nebraska sometime between, what, 10 p.m. and midnight, I believe it is? Somewhere in between there. It's on Hawaiian yeah. time. This isn't on Central Standard Time. They don't care at this point. So um, that'll be the only thing to look forward to when you wake up tomorrow morning is that commitment. But I think that's it, my man. 
I'm good, brother. Let's 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 put a uh, bow on it. We'll call it a night. Uh, thanks for joining us here, everybody on Church of the Corn. Have a great week. We'll talk to everybody everybody later. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. See you, buddy.